Welcome to Dark Tales. I'm your host, Wendy Weiss. This weekend I went camping and I was practically begging for something creepy to happen to me the whole time. And I think that's a big part of camping is just hoping that something terrifies you. And unfortunately, nothing very scary happened except for me not knowing how to use a propane cooker and almost blowing up my campsite, which was very scary, don't get me wrong. But nothing spooky happened. So I was thinking it might be nice to read some scary camping stories. So I thought I would give you guys a prompt if you're interested. If you would like to write a story for me to read that involves camping or something that you think would be good to tell around a campfire, here's a prompt for you. You're out camping and you leave your campsite to go to the bathroom or brush your teeth or whatever you do in private while you're camping. Who knows? Maybe you go jerk off in the woods. I don't know. But you come back and sitting in your chair is you. You guys can take that prompt and do whatever you want with it. I would love to read it. These can be very, very short. I mean, even just a couple paragraphs. Just do whatever you want with it. And I would love to read them. So uh, if you are participating, send those to darktaleswithwendyweiss at gmail.com. Today's dark tale is The Girl Who Turned Into a Lizard While Waiting for a Water Taxi by Matt Probasco. Matt Probasco is a writer of journalism, fiction, theater, and since 1996, the shadowy music of Year 5000. Reporting from three continents, he's covered murders, political corruption trials, environmental disasters, and tragic love stories. His first stage play, The Pond, is set to scare the crap out of audiences off-off-Broadway this winter. A native Oregonian, Probasco now lives in New York City. Here's tonight's dark tale. Mrs. Lotkins was the only teacher who had an office. Even the principal shared space with the other administrators. She pushed Lisa's report across the Formica desk with eyes that said, We have a problem. Mom studied it for a moment, then made a disappointed look. Maybe she didn't know why she was supposed to be disappointed, but could tell it was expected. It's just something I'd like to nip in the bud here, Mrs. Lotkins said. Lisa is new, and although expectations have been clear since day one, this first assignment will not do. Mom shook her head and said, well, obviously not. Now Mrs. Lotkins made a face. The assignment was clear. Write at least 500 words, double-spaced, on what you did over the summer vacation. It is a non-fiction assignment. May I ask, did you go to Italy in June for her cousin's wedding? We did. Mom said. Did you ride in a water taxi? We did, Mom said again. Lisa has a very good memory, every little detail. 
And did Lisa transform into a lizard? No, no, she did not. You see, this would normally not be a problem. Lisa fulfilled the basic length and format requirements. Oh, things got a little grammatically sloppy, but it's the lying that's so troubling. Once we start down this path of falsehood... Oh, Mom interrupted. You know, excuse me, Mrs. Lotkin said. Excuse me, I hadn't finished. I'm sorry, Mom said. After a long silence, Mrs. Lotkin said, Go ahead. It's just that, Mom said, I think the story could be an allegory, I think. You see, Lisa had her first monthly visitor while we were there. Mom! Lisa, Mrs. Lotkin's head tilted one half degree and searched the air with her eyes. Her period came. Ah, Menses, childhood's end. I see, said Mrs. Lotkins. This changes nothing, of course. All summer, men in blue jeans and soiled t-shirts had gutted the three buildings behind Lisa's house. Her backyard and theirs were separated by a fence. Two fences. Wood on Lisa's side and chain link on theirs. People used to live there. People with dirty dogs that barked all the time. People with screaming babies. People with loud music and late night fights but they were gone a few weeks after Lisa and her mom moved in. The men carried out dirty bricks and broken concrete, rotten wood, and flimsy doors with fist holes. All the lights were off back there at night now, and some of the windows were boarded over. She imagined they were once like her new home, big and old and empty, three levels, brick walls, and polished wood floors, and a creaking banister on the stairs you were supposed to be careful not to pull on completely different from Ogden where their house was new and the walls were white and they had a front yard and a back. Mom's new job meant Lisa was home a lot alone. Through a third floor bathroom window she watched the men leave with their tools. It was getting dark earlier already. By nine it was completely black back there but if she turned out all the lights and let her eyes adjust she could see the empty rectangular windows where the black was blacker. One night, she woke up on the bathroom floor. She'd fallen asleep while looking at the blackness. Everyone at school wanted to know who she liked, but she couldn't say no one because then she'd look like a kid and she was a woman, or was supposed to be. So she said she wouldn't tell, which would keep everyone guessing and not thinking she was sexless because she wasn't. But that was still a secret and between only Lisa and herself. And even that was uncomfortable and weird. Adults get privacy. She did not. Everyone wanted to know everything and could be trusted to blurt it out whenever they liked. And when mom drove her to see the new dentist, Lisa was worried mom would gab to the dentist about her period too. But she didn't. Instead, the dentist said she needed braces and gave her a retainer, which she was supposed to wear every night and another she was supposed to wear during the day. After the dentist, they went to mom's office Mom worked at her computer past when it was dark. Lisa sat in one of the empty offices and ate her pizza and watched the car lights go by below and the distant people in the other offices work at their computers and the empty offices where cleaning people vacuumed or someone had just forgotten to shut off the light. In some of the dark spaces, she could see a faint light, like a computer monitor or a distant elevator sign. Those spaces left all alone at night. On the way home, Mom let her choose the music. 
Lisa, discarding traditional car ride discs, chose the radio. Blank territory as they knew none of the stations. Mom seemed disappointed when Lisa paused only briefly for a radio evangelist and alarmed when she paused less briefly for a hard rock song. They settled on a call-in show where the caller was telling a spooky story about a misdialed number. She had been all alone at night, the caller said, and the power went out. She managed to find her telephone and call the electric company. It was after hours and she got an automated message directing her to call another number in case of emergency. She reasoned it was not truly an emergency, but opted to call anyway. The show added in sound effects of a dial tone and then different toned beeps of the numbers being pressed. Then a pause in the ringing. Then what happened, the host asked. This voice came on, the caller said. This terrifying voice. And it said, rebel, rebel. I am the rebel. What do you mean by terrifying, the host asked. Can you do it? No, 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 the caller said. It was just like the voice was evil, like Satan. Was it like, rebel, rebel? No, it was like nothing I've ever... It was unhuman, inhuman. The voice of Satan said, rebel, rebel, I am the rebel. Well, if you know your Christian mythology, then you know that Satan was indeed a rebel. He sought to usurp God's power and be his own master. Did the voice say anything else? No, I hung up. You were scared. I'm still scared, the caller said. The radio station played part of Rebel Rebel by David Bowie and then a commercial for discount grocery deliveries. Mom called the next afternoon saying she would not be home for dinner. She had to work late and then go to a work event. There was leftover pizza in the fridge, she said. Be in bed by 10. You won't be home before 10? Lisa asked. I just don't know, Mom said. Lisa finished her homework including a makeup essay for Mrs. Lotkin then turned on the TV. Old movies, news, cartoons. She settled on a documentary show about cheetahs. It was boring. She went upstairs and started the shower. Something made her turn the light off. She'd never showered in the dark before. The air was cool when she got out. She sat on the toilet in her towel and looked into the dark out the window. The black rectangles looked back. Beep. Beep, beep, boop, 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 beep, she thought. Beep, beep, boop, beep. Lisa's legs were asleep when she stood. Still, her mind played the tones back. Beep, beep, boop, 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 beep, beep, beep. She crouched at the phone in her room and, thinking it was crazy, dialed. After a few false starts, she hit on it. Ring. Ring. Rasped a voice. Rebel. 
Lisa screamed and hung up. She stood up, her legs still full of invisible needles. This is stupid, she said, and ran downstairs in her towel, turning on all the lights along the way. It's a recording. It's a recording. It's just a stupid recording that someone made. This is stupid. She laughed a little and put the TV back on. Penguins now. They're kind of cute in a very limited way, but really aren't that interesting. She changed for bed. Okay, she reasoned. If it's just a recording, she can call back and it'll say the same thing. She muted the penguins and dialed, all alone in the very bright room. Ring. 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 The front door lock clicked behind her and she screamed silently, panicked beyond voice. In walked Mom. Sometime after midnight, Lisa woke from a dream, her fingers running over a strange wooden telephone with tiny black enamel buttons that tingled somewhere shameful and private. A glowing green jester mask with gleaming yellow eyes and a burnt red tongue hissing rebel, rebel. I am the rebel. She fumbled in the dark to the bathroom, trying to forget the face. It was just her brain trying to scare her awake to keep her from peeing the bed. She sat on the toilet in the dark, blanking her mind. Outside the window, the empty building stared back black and still, except in one window. There, back. Back dimly in the middle building's second floor, something moved. Something in the blackness. And the longer Lisa watched, the more it took shape. Draped, it first appeared in a black satin sheet with a horned carnival mask head. To Lisa's horror, it moved. It moved closer to the window. And as it did, the sheet morphed into something like an angel's vestments in Baroque oils, but black, black on black. Pleated and scalloped, it folded under like a grinning Casanova mask, buckled and pearled like iguana skin, and lit by two gleaming yellow eyes. Eyes that beckoned her. Eyes that said, Rebel, Rebel. Lisa forced her head away, peering into the shower curtain, hanging gray, the hall closet door, the carpet. She forced in a breath. It was only a dream, she said. I'm just scaring myself. She stood and turned back without looking out the window, flushed the toilet and looked away, toward the hallway. The water gurgling down the basin, emptying, the tank slowly filling back up. Filling, slowing, then stopping. Tinkle, tinkle, then silence again. said the whisper. Lisa shook with fear as she slid on blue jeans and sneakers, a gray t-shirt. She walked trance-like down the stairs, past her mother's room, through the house, 
out the back door. Pulled by some invisible force, she angled the chase lounge against the fence and climbed up the wooden side and down the rusty chain link. Above her, one floor up awaited the open window. The flimsy back door covering pulled open easily, and before Lisa really realized what she had done, she stood in absolute darkness in the hollows of this gutted house. Tears ached along her eyelids. Each anguished step through the blackness was unabashed audacity. The Regency of the Blind Soon her hand was on an ancient banister and she was climbing the stairs. Creak, creak, creak. And then she was at the threshold of the room. She could see her own house beyond the far window glinting in the moonlight. The masked figure stepped from the shadows, smaller than she'd imagined, but far uglier in proximity. It's halting movements like a wounded animal's. It was real. Really real. It hissed and gurgled as it approached Lisa. Closer. And it reached up as if to take her by the neck. Paralyzed, she could not breathe, not blink. Only her heart pulsed, pumping pure adrenaline. And when its claw-like hand found her face, it flittered around the edge of her chin, like tiny jets of warm water pulling up and away a layer of skin, or faux skin, like latex. In a moment, the whole of her face peeled away, the hair and the features, and she saw the creature pull the skin away from her head. Her own eyeless visage sagging like an empty pillowcase in the creature's gnarled hands. Lisa lifted her hands and felt her neck, jaw, and nose, cheeks, the thin of her brow line, the hairless scaling. The creature smiled and its eyes shone like approaching torches. Radiating joy, Lisa beamed like a new sun. She was so happy. Her tongue darted out to taste the air, taste her scaled visage. Lisa was so happy. All fear, all worry, all worldly cares, abstractions, and pain dropped away. She had become. She was where she belonged. She had become real. Really real. <laughs>